reflecting on the way it is here and now. Pachubanatama, the sitting posture, breathing, sound of silence, being aware of the state of mind, the mood that you're experiencing at this moment is like this. Oh, this is reflecting, it's a noticing. It's observe, it's being the observer, the puto, the, the knowing ability from the intuitive level rather than the uh, thinking personal level. So just to emphasize the, the difference between intuitive intelligence and the kind of personal learned acquired knowledge that that uh, we tend to cling to and and use in our lives the critical mind the the judgmental <coughs> mind <coughs> the ego the sense of oneself as a person as a physical body is conditioned and is uh, the kind of knowledge, acquired knowledge, and then intuitive awareness isn't is not acquired. It isn't knowledge you acquire. It's knowledge you you use. It's inherent. It's here and now. It's not. It's not can't be claimed as some kind of personal knowledge. It's reflective. It's not judgmental not critical, but it discerns. Now the difference between critical, cr the critical mind and the discerning, <coughs> in this sense of panya, yeah, the Pali word panya means <coughs> wisdom, <coughs> not wisdom that you, you acquire from books, you know what the Buddha said in, in the scripture, or the Socrates or whoever, it's the wisdom, the ability to discern, and this is the discern the conditioned from the unconditioned, discern self from not self, discern attachment, non-attachment. So it's a reflective intelligence, universal intelligence, discerns the difference. It's not judging, saying attachment is 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 not as good as non-attachment. I mean, then we, we get into dividing into concepts and into taking positions, saying one is better than the other. This <coughs> intuitive awareness isn't about being better than worldly knowledge. It's not judging on, the, on that level, but it's discerning. It's this, this intuitive awareness, mindfulness, Sati Sampachanya, Sati Panya. Is this, is, uh, so it's a awakened consciousness <coughs> that we're experienced through the form of the body that we have at this moment. 
Uh, just to uh, emphasize again and again the difference uh, because it's not emphasized in our education, in our culture. You know, it's all lumped together, really. <coughs> it's not, we, have, well, we aren't from a discerning society. We're from a society that is idealistic, uh, based on principles, standards, morals, ideals, but doesn't, uh, you know, is, is not tuned in on the level of intuitive awareness. It's not, uh, you know, we're not educated in this way. Something like this retreat or the, our commitment to uh, the Dhamma and to monastic practice is, is coming, you know, hopefully coming from intuitive awareness rather than personal positioning. And therefore, it's, it's like you, you, you need to put the personal into context. It's not saying it, the personal is, is wrong or bad. It's not a judgment about personality or ego. But it's discerning it. So you, you know that the ego, the sense of myself, is this. <clears throat> how I see myself, the critical mind, uh, identities with the body, with the memories, thoughts, views, opinions, is this. And that which is aware of the ego. So in the, this Four Noble Truths, this is the essential teaching of the Buddha. The essence, in other words, it's a it's a convention, you know. But it's 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 for investigation. It's not to reinforce the ego, or it's not about worldly knowledge anymore. It's about discerning suffering and non-suffering, taking this ordinary human experience of dukkha that is not esoteric or subtle or special, isn't it? We all, every human being, experiences dukkha. And then discerning, being able to know dukkha is like this and non-suffering is like this. And this is the panya uh, discernment. If we're idealistic, then we say <clears throat> there shouldn't be any suffering. You know, we should all be happy. But in um, Buddha was pointing to the fact that this realm is about suffering. This sense realm, to uh, to be able to observe the effect of sensory impingement on your on your body, on your senses, is like this. To be aware that, that there is suffering, unhappiness, grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish. If we're identified, if, if our identity depends on a physical body alone, then, you know, it's, it's always going to disappoint us. Because it's not going to be what we want. You know, it's not, you know, we can always imagine having a better 
<coughs> healthier, more beautiful body than the one we have in the present. And then the inevitability of aging, sickness and death. And yet idealistically we say, I hear people talking about we should conquer disease and old age and even death. You know, the human ego is, is uh, unbelievable sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to conquer old age, sickness and death. Obviously they've never discerned anything, these kind of people. They, they think they can, uh, you know, change condition phenomena so that it, it's permanent. Where in the Buddha Dhamma we're discerning the nature of condition phenomena, its very nature is anicca or change. And the anatta then is to, to see the pointlessness of just being blindly obsessed, attached to the conditions. You know, you're just, as long as that attachment is not discerned, then we're just helpless victims of circumstances. Because life is not fair. I mean, it's not a fair deal we're getting in this conditioned realm. It's about karma, not about fairness. I think that's what, you know, the, as a child I remember being brought up as a Christian. I thought, it's unfair. God created us out of love, equal love. It's not loving one person more than, an, more than another. And yet, <clears throat> he created some beautiful, healthy, wealthy, and others uh, born in poverty and misery. It's not fair, is it? In terms of an ideal of if God really loves us, he would never allow these terrible things to happen because I wouldn't, you know, when I love somebody, I wouldn't subject them to being miserable and poor and sick and despised and that kind of, those kind of things, which you see, you know, it's not in the society, the injustices, the unfairness of every society. So love is an ideal and fairness, and all these are, they are ideals. And so we can discern that. An ideal is like this. But conditioned phenomena is like this. You know, it's not equal, it's not, one condition is not the same as another. They're in this continuous flux and change. That's their nature, anicca dukkanata. So this, this concept, reflection, reminding ourselves, because we, when we don't remind ourselves, then we get caught up in the habitual tendencies based on the, on the ego, on the ignorance, on avicca. So see, the, the monastic form, the, the form of a samana, the alms mendicant, as a continuous reminder, 
you know, so you're wearing the, the symbols, the robe, shaven head. This is not to be seen as personal, as personal identities, but they're like reminders for, my, they're for mindfulness. It's about non-self. Anatta, rather than self. Now we identify, we, we take the monastic forms in a personal way, but then we can reflect on this, the dukkha, the suffering caused by attachment to one's position in the sangha, comparing it in terms of superior, inferior, the top and the bottom. This is the ego. This is the sakaya ditti. Or taking the, uh, clinging to the, the uh, conventional forms out of ignorance is silapattabharamasa. So my sense of my self-importance is, 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 uh, depends on my position of being, me being the senior monk in this community. If I'm not the senior monk, then, uh, you know, I, if this is my sole identity, this is why I'm here, then, uh, then every time my position is threatened or in any way questioned, then, uh, then I get, of course, I get caught in emotional reactions because my identity depends on the position. Or is the awareness of that, of the conditions that I'm attached to? So there's a discerning of attachment is like this. Non-attachment. You know the difference. There's a discerning. Non-attachment is this. So non-attachment is, is uh, letting go. Second noble truth, isn't it? No, understanding desire, gamadana, bhavadana, vipavadana. <clears throat> Having become an expert, a kind of knowing these desires, coarse desires, the refined ones, Desire doesn't necessarily mean anything bad. It can be altruistic desires. But to know desire, discern it, and non-desire is like this. This is discerning the condition and the un from the position of the unconditioned. A condition can't discern. When you attach to condition phenomena, then you're back into the world of quality, quantity, this is better than that, this is higher, lower, good and bad. And that's why the Sakya Ditti is based on identity with the conditions, with ideas, with ideals, with the physical world, with memories, the five khandhas, Rupa Vedana Sanyasankara Vijnana. 
identity with pleasure and pain through the senses, through the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind, the ayatanas, six ayatanas, So this is, uh, you know, the, this reflection means that we're the putting ourselves in that position of the observer, the knowing, the discerning, rather than the person trying to become enlightened or trying to, to uh, change things or get something we don't have or get rid of something we don't like. <clears throat> when we're into that realm again of, of conditioned phenomena, the Sakya Ditti operates according to its, you know, the conditions that, that make this uh, sense of a self, me and mine, our reality. Now is the conditioned and the unconditioned, is that dualistic? And this may, you know, this divisiveness is, uh, is, uh, is the function of conditioned phenomena. So we use the word, you know, that is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And if there was not the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there'd be, there would be no escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. Because there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there is the escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. Ati bhikkhuwe ajatang Aputang, Akatang, Sankadang. And so this is, this, is, this uh, particular teaching reminds us, puts into perspective that mindfulness then, Sati Sampachanya, this awareness, is not about, it's not divisive function. It's not a, we're not dividing and saying the unconditioned is better than the condition. So we've got to get rid of the, the, the logic that comes from that is that we should, you know, letting go of conditions, I mean, you know, we should get rid of them maybe. It goes into annihilation easily. If the unconditioned is better than the, than the condition, then of course I want to be with the unconditioned. I don't want to, I'm not going to have anything more to do with the conditions. It can be the kind of stupid <laughs> Sakya Ditti reaction. <clears throat> not about, uh, you know, having a war against the conditioned world or getting rid of your ego. Because that is, uh, that's still the ego, isn't it? You know, taking sides one against the other. It's like look, re, re, awakening to ultimate reality, to the deathless. That it's awakened the Buddha, the awakened consciousness, consciousness that's no longer uh, deluded through attachment to conditions that arise and cease in consciousness. So that's what like Buddha means is the the awakened like Buddha can be you can make Buddha images <coughs> you can personify so there's Gotama the Buddha 
the Buddha, you can make uh, effigies of the Buddha, you can make icons with the human form. Because on a practical level, it's, the, it, you know, it's about the human individual awakening. Because uh, you know, I can't make you awake as some kind of personal ability that I have, but there is this awakened, this natural awakened state of being in the present that is, uh, that we recognize through discerning it. This is awakened consciousness in which then uh, the sense of myself, my conventional form, uh, my emotional habits and all the rest are seen in perspective, they're discerned. And these personal conditions can be good and bad, right and wrong, high and low, like any other conditions. You know, so it doesn't kind of magically transform my personality into that of a, you know, a quote, arahant, unquote, a, a kind of saintly uh, ideal, an ideal person that is uh, transformed through awareness into th this wonderful, radiant personality. But it's the uh, ability to, from this awakened position, to have perspective on the condition, on the personal, on the personality. Sakya Ditti, Filabhata Bharamasa Vichikicca. Discerns it, it's like this. So, the, you know, then the, you, know, you have good qualities, bad qualities, you can be uh, generous and kind and, and uh, compassionate, and then you can be selfish and mean and malicious. But the, the discerning ability means that we're no longer, uh, you know, making a problem around the condition, compounding them, rejecting them, attaching to them, but we can use them. We learn from the condition realm because this is, this is the realm that, that we're actually experiencing at this time in this human form. Uh, we live our lifetime Within this, within these uh, prisons of human uh, human bodies, we still, you know, the vipaka kama arises in our lives as we age. So we, we, you know, we have to experience old age, sickness, death, loss of the loved, and having to be with the unloved, things like just like anyone else. It doesn't, isn't. Uh, we don't get out of that. But our relationship to it changes from helpless kind of struggling on the condition with the conditions to discerning them. They are what they are. So like in the uh, Eightfold Path, notice that in the, in the formula of the Four Noble Truths and the, the Eightfold Path is the Fourth Noble Truth is based on samaditi, not sakayaditi. So just in the Bariat formula 
of the Four Noble Truths. When we teach, uh, say, uh, when you're not teaching meditation or you're just teaching people who, who don't meditate, you know, like in a Buddhist uh, country, Buddhist uh, group, you're trying to get them to, you know, it's sila samadhi panya, so uh, dana sila bhavana, sila samadhi panya. So sila or dana is the very basis. <coughs> so dana or generosity can, you know, doesn't depend on awakened consciousness. It's just trying to, to, uh, you know, the the uh, individual, the person, people in a society, not to be selfish, not to just think of themselves. So uh, giving dana can still be sakaya ditti. You know, you can still want to be a generous person or try to make merits, accumulate merits for yourself as a person, and be rewarded with uh, the blessings on a personal level, and sila. So you have this, uh, you know, this is uh, just the, the pragmatic style of uh, Theravada Buddhism. It doesn't start with bhavana. But with dana, doesn't even start with sila. Dana as generosity. So it's encouraging, you know, even people that have can't keep sila, to at least be generous once in a while, anyway. <laughs> and it's not making you should uh, from the should level you should be generous all the time. But it's it's encouraging skillfulness within the society. Sharing, generosity, not hoarding up and just like the selfish, uh, ungenerous person is, thinks of me, what I get and it's mine and, and I'm not going to share it with anybody. That's the, the miser, the stingy, self-obsessed person, personality. And so dana then is, uh, is, is uh, you know, trying to encourage at least some skillfulness in one's life. And then sila, the five precepts. Now that's going up because, it, you know, you, you have to make some, you have to let go. With dana, you can, you don't, you can still drink and you know, it's that doesn't, isn't making any kind of moral demands on you at, at that moment. But then sila, suddenly it's taking, you know, it's a, it's a, we see the, the dangers of just following impulses and desires and selfish tendencies and sensual habits and addictions towards making a stronger effort towards um, responsibility for action and speech. So that can still be sakyaditi, wanting to be a good person, a moral member of the community, b to be responsible for my actions, it would be very altruistic personality, personal tendencies. 
I want to, as a person, as this person, to be responsible for myself. So it has a kind of noble personal quality to it, sila. Or we can use sila as intimidation. You're going to hell if you don't keep the five precepts. You'd be punished for telling lies, for stealing. You'll be sent to hell for adultery, for sexual promiscuity. You'll be, uh, if you drink liquor and take drugs, you'll be condemned to eternal fire in the most dismal hell realms. So there's this tendency to use uh, sila as intimidation. You know, I'm good because I'm afraid of, uh, I want to be rewarded. I'm good because I'm afraid of badness. So this is still Sakya Ditti, Sila Bhatta Bharamasa Vichikicha. Then uh, Bhavana is uh, where we began to look at all this. You know, we are awakened. We see the, the we discern the suffering that we create by these blind attachments to condition, to the body, to values, principles, to moral precepts, to the fear we have of being punished uh, for personal defects, for sins, faults. You know, this, uh, this is a, a, a discerning kind of awakened discernment. Bhavana then is, is uh, Bhavana really starts with samaditi. And that's why I, I keep emphasizing this uh, scene, there's, there's uh, three fetters, first three fetters. Because we can still practice meditation from the Sakyaditi level if we want. You know, I'm a good meditator or I'm not good or I have jhanas and I'm, you know, I'm holier than thou or I'm, I'm a very moral person so I'm better than you. So this is, uh, you know, so one can, can practice samatha meditation from Sakyaditi. But when it gets into the level of vipassana, this is insight, four noble truths, looking into the way things are. And of course, the, the Sakya Ditti, Thilabhata Bharamasa, Vichikicha, these are the, the fetters that, that, st that don't allow insight. You know, as long as these fetters are are, modus, uh, are the modus operandi for what we call meditation. And so it's trying to, to emphasize this to, so that you can discern yourself the, this, this uh, simplicity of awareness. Sati Sampachanya, Sati Panya.
Now, when I started meditation in Bangkok in 1966, definitely Sakyaditi was the motivation. <laughs> You know, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, I was an unhappy person. I was awakened. I was aware of suffering. And I wanted to get rid of it. So, I mean, the, the Sakyadite was a, you know, it was, I didn't really see it in, in through wisdom. I just was in, uh, affected. That just being operating from this personal, from all these personal habits, I was 30, 30, 31 years old, was just, it seemed to me, uh, you know, I remember on my 30th birthday in Malaysia, in Borneo, this kind of recognition of here, I'm 30 years old, just kind of significant birthday. Your youth is, you know, that's finished. <laughs> and... Uh, at least that's how I felt then. Now I look at somebody 30 years old as young. But when I was 30, I thought, no, my youth is gone. And I don't particularly like the way I am. And I don't, I can't bear the idea of spending 30 more years like this, with it, being this person. So I wasn't particularly, you know, charmed with myself or, or, you know, was particularly caught up in trying to perpetuate myself as a, uh, on the personal level. <clears throat> because I found I really didn't like myself that much as a person. I was very critical of myself. I developed the critical faculties to where it kind of turned against me all the time. So the Sakya Ditti, you know, the faith, the confidence, the interest in Buddhism was uh, at least uh, offered a possible way out of that dilemma. Then in, you know, then as how I approached meditation when I first started at Wat Mahathat in Bangkok before I ordained was definitely trying to get jhanas trying to get these different samadhis. I didn't know any better. It was all motivated. They, the way I was being taught tended to <coughs> reinforce this, uh, this sense of, of attaining and achieving. And since I was already programmed for attaining and achieving, I, you know, I couldn't... Uh, it, 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 the way they taught me or the way that I interpreted what they were saying was still about me trying to get something I don't have and trying to get rid of my bad habits, trying to get rid of selfishness and fear and trying to get rid of anger, vanity, all these, these things I, I don't like about myself, trying to get rid of them. And then in the taking the monastic life, the first year of the seminar, there was very much a, a uh, you know, I went with that mindset, the Sakyaditi mindset, 
into a year of uh, meditation in the in the in a kuti, in which the the you know it became impossible. I couldn't have stood. I couldn't stand it if it was just operating from sakyaditi. When you have to live with yourself, there's no at least as a lay person, you know you you can you know, there's plenty of distractions you know that you can use to get away from yourself and worries and negative fe uh, feelings and the critical mind there's plenty of you know entertainments distractions in the world to uh, to uh, allow that to happen but when you're stuck alone with yourself for a year with no with hardly any distractions allowed you know you really have to either you're going to go crazy you ha you have to leave get out of there because you can't stand it or you're going to have to face it and so this is uh you know the I, as i gave those classes uh couple of weeks ago in the word of the Buddhist, using that text and investigating those Four Noble Truths over and over again until I, you know, I had, I could break through the, uh, the uh, obsessive uh, attachment to the five khandhas, the six ayatanas, So investigating Sakaya Ditti get to know it. You know, you couldn't get rid of it, but I could actually begin to uh, uh, insight into the power of awareness, of this reflective ability to observe. Because, uh, you know, over and over again in the, in the, these teachings, the uh, Sutta teachings in the script in the Pali Canon, it's uh, you know reiterating endlessly the suffering, its causes, the cessation, and the way of non-suffering. So you can't do that from the Sakyaditi level. You can't have insight into the Four Noble Truths if Sakyaditi is if you never see that. You know, if you're always committed to the the idea that I'm somebody trying to get something, you know, I've got to change. I don't like who I am. I want to change myself into a really good monk, selfless, uh, compassionate, moral, all the rest that I can think of. I want to change myself into all these uh, altruistic ideals but being alone with yourself you know the the altruism easily falls away and that a lot of the things you detest about yourself or are most frightened of in your in your life become you know arise into consciousness so the, the fear a lot of fear Anger, a lot of repressed anger was, uh, you know, arising. I had no escape from it. I had to sit there with it 
because any attempt to just distract myself or suppress it, you know, it was hopeless because there, there wasn't enough to, to sustain distraction. You know, you're, you're always day after day, hour after hour with yourself. And just to do samatha practice alone, you know, just to try to suppress out of sakya ditti. So, you know, just trying, at first, that's all I was trying to do was suppress sakya ditti, you know, trying to concentrate to get the jhanas because I wanted tranquility and peaceful states of mind by, in that you know, the only way I knew how to do that at the time was to suppress everything, was controlling the environment, was sensory deprivation, you know, trying to, to just keep everything away, any irritating, frustrating condition. So in the, then these, these Four Noble Truths, we are recognizing, beginning to penetrate this suffering, its causes, investigating the, the desire, dhanha, second noble truth, it's letting go of desire. Where before I was trying to get rid of desire, I had the ideal, I, I, if for me to be enlightened, I have to get rid of, annihilate desire, Actually, when I started, uh, you know, contemplating the, the, the Four Noble Truths, that's not what the Buddha was saying, not saying that. He's not getting rid of it. It's understanding dukkha, isn't it? It's letting go of desire. It's not annihilating it. So this is like a vita ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. Then the desire that comes is, uh, you know, then we at, we're attached to it in some way. We're either resisting it, trying to get rid of it, or following it blindly. Because uh, Sakya Ditti, Sila Bhattabharamasa, Vichikicha, these come out of ignorance, out of avicca and desire. They're karma, they're results of conditioning, And then this, the way of non-desire, discerning the, by letting go of desire, because that's the insight into the second noble truth, isn't it? To let go of desire. And then discerning, the third aspect of the second noble truth, discerning the difference, non letting go of desire, desire has been let go of. So you, you need to recognize that attachment to desire is like this, and non-attachment is like this. That's discerning the difference. It's not that I don't have any desires, or I'm beyond desire, and I've conquered desire. It's, this is a desire realm. The sense realm is all about desire, attraction, aversion, goodness and badness, and the and the dualism of 
of the conditioned realm. So then the discerning of desire, attachment to de recognizing desire, knowing what it is, attaching to it, and non-attaching, or letting go of it is like this. Letting go has been realized. Desire has been, in the third aspect of the second noble truth, desire has been let go of. <coughs> so that's a discerning, isn't it? It's not that I've let go of desire as some kind of personal delusion. It's actually coming from banya or wisdom or insight Jnana dasana in Pali. So, you know, you can see that desire, attaching is like this, non-attachment is like this. And then the obvious wisdom, non-attachment is not suffering. If I just follow my desires, then I'm always struggling. There's always a battle going on in my life trying to control things, get my way, upset when I don't get what I want, frustration, irritation, blame. Uh, it, there's a whole you know, pattern of habitual behavior arises through ignorance and through attachment. And so this, this can be discerned. So letting go, like the, the, the insight into First Noble Truth is to understand suffering. That's insight. So the three aspects, there is suffering, suffering should be understood, suffering has been understood. That's the reflective pattern uh, of uh, wisdom. That's where how wisdom operates. So you you know you have the Bariati approach, uh, the scriptural teaching: there is dukkha, there is suffering. In the scripture, you know that's the the first sermon of the Buddha: there is this, and then the then the what to do about it is to understand it. Not to blame it on somebody else or to suppress it, but to understand something. You have to look at it. You have to not just resist it and fight it and blame your suffering on external causes but, or on yourself, but just look at it. There is this suffering. There is suffering. Suffering should be understood. So then this is, you're, you're observing suffering rather than attaching to it. So at that moment there is, you know, you're, you're changing from struggling, habitual struggling, reacting to suffering, to observing suffering. And then the insight suffering has been understood. And the, you have this kind of gut level insight where you, you know there's a knowing that isn't just an intellectual uh, definition of suffering that you acquired from the Pali dictionary or from some teacher. 
Second noble truth is, is there is the causes of suffering which is due to ignorance of Dhamma. This is where the paticca samupada is useful. Avicca bhajaya sankhara, ignorance is the cause of suffering. Ignorance of the Dhamma. And so this is uh, uh, attachment to desire, isn't it? Out of ignorance, then desires, we attach to our desires, the gamma dhanna, bhava dhanna, vipuva Sensual desire, desire for uh, attaining, achieving, becoming, and vipuva desire to get rid of, to resist, to annihilate what we don't like. And then desire should be let go of is is the uh, second insight into the second noble truth. Should be let go of. It's a prescription, letting go. So after, you know, the insight I had during that year as a Samanera was letting go. The powerful insight into letting go. So when I went to, when I took Upasambhada, became a bhikkhu, went to stay with Ajahn Chah, and he asked me what I'd been doing, where I was at, I tried to explain to him, you know, I was explaining to him about letting go. Because I was afraid when I I thought, you know, I had this insight, and and I was uh, kind of, afraid of going to some teacher who would want me to do some kind of method. You know, you, you've got to do my method. Because as I'd learned meditation in Bangkok, it was so methodical. This uh, Mahasi Thayadaw method where you, you had to do all this slow motion and everything and, and uh, had to, and everything was kind of organized for you. And you were told each stage, you know, different stages you had to develop. Well, I didn't, because that tended to, that approach I didn't find helpful to me because it, the Sakyaditi was so, how I took to stages, the whole thing of stages and development, the way I, the, at least the way I interpreted what I heard. Just, you know, it was, I could only hear that from the Sakya Ditti, from the ego level. So in the uh, uh, Nongkai, when I was Samanera, uh, I was using this Word of the Buddha text and for Noble Truths. And I found that, that's what I was really, that I could really learn from. Trying to just get tranquil and get this stage and then go on to the next stage, that didn't work because the ego was so strong and, and the desire to attain and prove myself and get something out of it was such a powerful sense of, of you know, I have to succeed in this practice because there's always a fear of failure too, the ego, you know, the more ambitious 
you are, the more frightened you are of failing. So in the when Ajahn Chah, I said I was had this insight into letting go of desire, and he was he seemed very pleased with that. He said, just keep practicing with that. So he wasn't kind of imposing a new method on me. And, that. and then he advised me, you know, because I was recently ordained as a bhikkhu, uh, the Vinaya, to, to develop uh, this Vinaya, to really, uh, you know, att- he said, attach to the Vinaya. In order to learn it, you know, with Vinaya, if, if you just take this uh, casual approach to it, you'll never really learn it. You know, so uh, there was a lot of, you know, having to conform and do everything according to the way that they interpreted Vinaya at Watpapong. And so, uh, you know, and I just had to do it their way. You know, there was no negotiation. No being, not being reasonable about it. And, and that's how my mind operates on the Sakya Ditti. That's, in a lot of these rules seem so silly and, and uh, you know, much ado about nothing. And I, let's be reasonable about the Vinaya. Is, is my Sakya Ditti approach to life? Because a lot of the Vinaya didn't seem very reasonable to me, actually. So, <laughs> so I... <laughs> You know, I had to look at that, you know. I had enough insight at the time to see, you know, that that I was, the whole point was to learn this Vinaya. It's like learning, you know, like piano lessons or ballet lessons or whatever. You start by, <clears throat> you know, doing repetitive exercises, boring Da 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 kind of exercises over and over till you have the skill with that. You don't have to think about it. You know, so training with Vinna is like that. It's at first it's really important just to to get the feeling for, you know, blind conformity uh, to the to the rule. Not as some kind of intimidation and and uh, control control freak obsession, but a way of learning it. You know, of getting that getting some kind of feeling at ease with it, so that you it's not just uh, an endlessly uh, struggling with I don't like this rule or I'll keep this one I won't keep that one. That can come from the sakya ditti level. So then later on, I remember one time, uh, several years later, with Ajahn Chah uh, at Tham Sangpet in Namnat Chalern, north of Uborn, branch monastery. And so he was saying, Sumato, do you find it uh, confusing? Because uh, Dhamma is about uh, letting go and Vinaya is about attachment. <laughs> because on the level, I thought, well, Vinaya, you know, clinging to Vinaya is attachment. It's true. <clears throat> so Vinaya can be Sakya Ditti, actually. <laughs> and this is, this is where, you know, the discerning uh, ability is, is, is ripening. 
not through uh, attaching to Vinaya out of Sakyaditi, but learning, you know, learning Vinaya so that it is a, a skillful means for awareness and a way of living, uh, you know, in a, in a monastic community where the agreements are prescribed already, you know, so you're not endlessly negotiating about, I, you know, let's be reasonable about this and fair about that. And, 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 you know, we're not here to negotiate our own personal agendas, but to live in a simple, agreed way in which we can actually see Sakya Ditti, Sila Bhattabharamasa, Vichikicca, and release ourselves from that, from those habits. So, you know, this is, this is discerning the difference between Vinaya as Sakya Ditti and Vinaya as skillful means. And this, this you have to know what Sakya Ditti is so to really, you know, to, uh, to see it. You know, in many cases, you know, I can see Vinaya was a, was a really, you know, I became very attached to Vinaya and became very, quite arrogant about it. You know, rather than freeing me from Sakyaditi, I became, you know, very concerned about looking good, of being exemplary and, and being a very strict monk. I liked the praise I got, the adulation. They said, oh, the Prapfarang, Ajahn, oh, Prapsumeto, he's very strict. And then in Thailand, that's highly regarded. So, I mean, I like that, to be praised, you know. Uh, uh, Prat Sumato, he's very strict. These Pratvarangs, these foreign monks, they're, they're really strict. Because a lot of Thai monks aren't very strict. And so you get very supercilious, you know, you, in the town monasteries, you think they're, they're just... Uh, you know, they have money, they carry money in their bags and they, you know, they don't, they don't keep the Vinaya very well. <clears throat> and so then the Sakyaditi easily becomes, I'm superior, we're better, we're a crack unit at Wat Bapong. we're like the Green Berets, we're commandos, we're the best in Thailand. It's Sakyaditi, isn't it? And then, the, then, the, then you meet somebody who says, see how proud you are, how arrogant you are by being so strict. And then you could see the suffering, you know, of this, uh, of, of uh, you know, being attached to Vinaya rather than using it for awareness. So then this is, you know, this is, you know, you have contemplate what is the, when the Buddha, before he took final Nibbana, said, I leave you Dhamma Vinaya. So, I mean, the Vinaya is very much, uh, you know, he didn't just say, I leave you Dhamma, and that's it. And he said, this Vinaya that we have is not to be, you know, discarded from Sakyaditi. But it helps to reflect it, and also in the in the 
in developing Sangha life, it just makes life simple because the, uh, the agreements are kind of from a tradition. It's not personal. It's not, you know, trying to impose my will on others but uh, through intimidation. But it's an agreed way of living uh, in terms of action and speech in a traditional form which uh, once you learn it, you know, once you, you have that skill with Vinaya, then it's not about being attached to it in a kind of, you know, being obsessed and, and uh, rigid about it. But it's like learning a skill, training rules, where after you, you know, when you have the skill, then you, it isn't a matter of just, you know, binding yourself endlessly to the most strict interpretation uh, and most rigid attitude around uh, Vinaya rules. But it's, it's being able to be aware, open to time, place, situations, being able to uh, do things in a, in a spontaneous way rather than from a prescribed uh, tradition that is, uh, you know, that one is bound into out of Sakya Ditti Tilabhata Bharamasa Vichikicha. So in Lungpa Cha said, what is the, are you confused, Sumato, about Dhamma Vinaya, Dhamma being non-attachment, letting go, and, and uh, Vinaya, which is about attachment. He said, when you solve that problem, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a conundrum because we do, you know, we live within this structure in the, the human form, whether it's with Vinaya or just following one's personal whims and impulses. We have to, there, there's always this limitation uh, from being born as a human individual. This is the physical limitation of, of this body and its aging process. And then it's just the uh, limitations of the senses. You know, how, you know, how our sense world is, is also limited. And then as you get older, your senses don't, aren't so good anymore. Like my vision isn't all that great. <laughs> if God really loved me, he would have given me perfect vision until I die. <laughs> but instead, you know, the aging process, I have this, what they call macular degeneration. And in Thai, Thai language, they call it Kwam Suram Tam Ayu, which means the degeneration due to age. <laughs> macular degeneration sound, doesn't sound quite so Intimidating. No, it sounds more like an, a disease that uh, that I personally have acquired in some way. Uh, but degeneration due to old age. <laughs> well, it is. You know, this is it's this is the way things are. Seeing that the aging process is like this, from this discerning level not through Sakya Ditti. Through Sakya Ditti then 
you know, who wants to get old? <clears throat> and, and I'd like to have perfect vision. You know, I don't want to wear these glasses. And I mean, I have a special lamp now that he gave me at the eye hospital in Bangkok. It has a marvelous lamp that magnifies everything because I can't read small print anymore. I mean, this is, but in Sakya Ditti, there's one level of, uh, you know, resenting this. And then there's non-Sakya Ditti, anatta, which discerns, discerns if I attach to not wanting, you know, not wanting my vision to change and I want, want my vision to be perfect, then I suffer as a person, because I create the conditions for suffering. But from discernment, I see not to suffer from that. Discerning suffering and non-suffering. So there's not much of a choice once you have that discernment. You know, you get heedless and you say, oh, I, why do my, my vision is, what's going <laughs> And then, you know, you get caught up in the Sakya Ditti level. But then there's also, once you've had the insight, a, 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 you know, a deeper understanding that you inevitably prefer, which is discerning non-attachment. Sakya Ditti as a, as a condition rather than as my, as, as the real me or the, position I operate from is from my sense of my self-worth, my body and my views and opinions. Now this is, you know, encouraging you to, to trust in this discernment. It's not something your Sakya Ditti can make you do. You know, it's not, you can't discern through Sakya Ditti, but you can discern attachment to the ego and non-attachment. And that's an intuitive sense or intuitive awareness. So this is uh, Sunday and there's uh, only a few days left of this formal retreat. Ideal situation for reflection, for being enlightened rather than being an ignorant person trying to become enlightened.